Bust it out, bust it in. It's time for another three night bender. As always, I am Hauser and I am here with the booze man, Boozas. What's good? And we are talking Orlando and all things Orlando, focusing on sports. Um, things we're going to talk about tonight, UCF football. We just played against Tulane in New Orleans, so we'll talk about that. Uh, we got a big week this week playing USF. Uh, talk about USF hate week, a, a very storied tradition. Um, we've got some other uh, CFB news we'll talk about, as well as other UCF sports. And because this is Thanksgiving week, we are also going to discuss Thanksgiving Day food reviews. So a lot on the plate tonight. They're um, all overrated. <laughs> That's going to be my judgment. We've got uh, we've got a beer we're going to be going with tonight, and I will let the booze man introduce that to you. So I'll turn it over to him. Well, it's a seasonal beer. It's Sam Adams. It's their seasonal cold snap. I'm not sure if it's in season right now. It might be because usually White Owls are something you drink during the winter time. But it's one of my favorite beers. It's very crisp. It's quite delicious. Easy on the palate. It's a wheat beer, but it's it's considered a white ale as you can see. Low alcohol content. You can drink the living hell out of this beer. It's a good one. Have you ever had? I've, I've had cold snap. I've had very many Samuel Adams beers, but probably not this one. Really? So I'm I'm excited to try it out. I got this. I, I can't remember if it was for my birthday or maybe it was for like me and my wife's anniversary. But our buddies Will and Tanid gave us a six pack of this. And I love this beer. It's a it's a good beer just to keep in your fridge for all times. But it's been sitting around for a hot second, so I'm assuming it's either a year old or it came out a little bit earlier this year. But it's very good. It's not going to foul or anything like all that. Right. All right. So I'm gonna pop these guys off. It's like a fine wine. It ages admirably. Cheers. So cheers. All right. And let's get this thing started. First thing on the docket, we're going to talk about uh, the game against Tulane in New Orleans. Um, good game. Very close game. Final score, 34-31. Your Knights were victorious. Um, but it got a little hairy there at the end. What did you think about the game? Exactly how you just described it. A little hairy. I mean, I, a victory is a victory, so I'm not one of those people that's going to go on social media like a lot of people did and started calling for Heupel's head, saying that this is like crap and we should have beaten them by 50. A win's a win. It doesn't matter. Absolutely. As long as you win the football game, that's it. I don't care. And, you know, maybe two years ago, you know, style points counted, but we're completely out of the playoff race, so I just want to make sure we just keep winning ball games. Get a 10-win season under your belt. Continue recruiting the way you're recruiting. Get some great... At I mean, we got a good quarterback coming to our program next year. We got good receivers coming in. Some really good-sized kids at the offense and defensive line, so just keep replenishing. Just keep filling that stable full of talent. Give yourself depth, and that's going to happen by winning, because the moment you start losing, and we lost three games, but we're not a losing program. We could be we could be another that's three straight ten year ten year seasons. I mean that's ten year seasons. Ten <laughs> win seasons. That doesn't happen for everybody. Yeah. We've still gotta put two more together to get that ten win. Um, yeah. I know you watched the game on TV. I actually made the trip to New Orleans. And, yes, you uh, did, you little braggy bragger. I, I wasn't disappointed. You know, I, I got to have some of my favorite foods there in New Orleans. I got to tour the city again. I brought my fiance with me, and uh, a lot of nights were out there. Um, you know, the first night uh, on Friday, they had a get-together at one of the places on Bourbon Street. I'm, the name's slipping me now, but um, I mean, it was it was nuts in there. It was loud, they were playing the music, they were doing three for ones. It was standing room only, it was a huge place. Uh, uh, UCF Brittany got on stage at one point and was dancing around and um, you know, it, it was a good time the night before. The game itself, it's it's a smaller stadium than I've gone to before. It's, it's bigger than a high school stadium, but smaller than most college stadiums I've been to. Um, I think it suits them very well because 
they didn't have really the fans that we had. I think we outnumbered them two to one at the stadium. Um, some of it may have had to do with the rain that came in that morning, and it was a, a noon game. It was an 11 o'clock game over there. So, um, But I, I was impressed with the people there, the staff. Um, the game experience overall was really good, and the weather wasn't too hot, so I enjoyed myself as far as, as being at the venue. I would agree that the venue is perfect for their school, and you got to remember, Tulane's actually a private school. So, I mean, that, that impacts your student enrollment because, you know, they're, they're $50,000 a year tuition school, so that's going to hurt a little bit. I mean, not everyone – I mean, I'm, I'm sure their football team has the 75, you know, or 85 regulated 100% athletic scholarships. There's a lot of kids that go there that have to pay out of pocket. So, um, you know, they don't have a huge student body. I think it suits them for what they're doing. It's a really nice stadium. It's fairly new. I know it wasn't – they used to play in the Superdome, and that stadium itself being on campus is only a couple years old. When I went there over the summer as part of a nonprofit program that I talked about last episode with Moffitt, um, we were able to see a lot of the facilities that were under construction. They had all of their kids in a outdoor weight room doing summer lifts, which is crazy because it's balls hot in Louisiana during the summer. <laughs> and so those kids were sweating their asses off in like in their makeshift weight room because they were knocking down walls and building a brand new one. And the concept art they showed us looked great. Like that's gonna, they, they're going to have some really nice facilities at that school. They're definitely a program on the rise. I mean, they got a really good coach in Fritz who's going to help bring them to new heights. I think that he's going to sustain their, their success. And I don't think they're going to be a doormat in the American here, you know, anytime soon. I think they're going to stay at least a mid to high tier team and be competitive, getting winning seasons, going to bowl games. You know, what was interesting looking around that stadium is uh, they had a few SEC championships posted, which was uh, was funny to see in the size stadium that they had. But if you remember. And from our podcast last week is they won SEC champions a long, long time ago. Yeah, they, they did. Were... I think the last one was 1949. Yeah, so a while back, but they still they have that feather in their cap, which is pretty cool. That's really cool. Uh, the game itself, I thought, went well. I think um, you know, Hypo may have opened up the playbook a little bit more. We saw some more creative things. I like that we ran a uh, a screen pass to Killens. I think the second play of the game, and, mm-hmm. and that looked good. Um, you know, we mixed it up a lot. I think. Gabriel looked good. I think the problem with the game, more than anything, is we had several dropped passes, and I don't know what several. The, yeah, I don't know what the number was on that, but a lot. Gabriel was hitting them in the hands, and they were not catching the ball. And it's guys who usually catch the ball. Yeah, the one that the the ones that drove me the the most crazy, unfortunately, from the same player, uh, Harris, who's yeah. a great player, great transfer for us. He's been very reliable. He's got great hands. He's a good body, good sized body kid. And I remember one was on a third down, or third or fourth down. It might have been yeah, fourth down. Fourth. Hit him right in the face mask. And he dropped it, which you know that happens. Right. You, you bounce back. You don't let it happen again. And then he dropped another touchdown pass later in I think the fourth quarter. So um, you know had some butterfingers here and there, but we still won the game. I mean, Gabriel looked like another great outing from yeah. a young freshman quarterback. He's over, I believe at this point, he's close to 3,500 yards. And he's he threw, running the ball, too. He is. He threw, for, he threw for over 300, had a touchdown. He ran for almost 60 yards on 12 carries. I mean, which I think it's one of two things. It's either indicative of the quarter the, the coach is letting him do those calls and, and, and not automatic gives, which, you know, I, I heard from a couple people that Heupel had said that it's not he, he's not telling them to keep it. It was Gabriel's decision to, to, to give the ball, which might be true. Um, but maybe Gabriel's getting the confidence in himself to do it. I mean, I've, I saw the kid in spring. The kid can move. He's right. got. He's got. I wouldn't say he's got wheels. He's not the fastest kid on the team, but he's elusive, and he's you know he's a bulkier Milton. 
I think that he'll he'll take a couple shots because he's just a thicker kid. He's not he's not as slight a frame as uh, Milton was, um, especially as a freshman. But you know some some good running. Otis Anderson had that awesome forty four yard run for a touchdown with an amazing downfield blocking by both Williams and Gabriel. and Gabriel was that that was an amazing that, that's that's a true team play. Right. And you see something like that. That's how you know that you got your offenses clicking when all eleven are doing what they're supposed to. Um, and you know they had a good outing themselves. That we, we we mentioned that mobile quarterback. We said he was an athlete, and he proved he was an athlete. He rushed for over a hundred yards and made our defense look stupid here and there. But uh, overall. You know, wasn't the cleanest game, and I think that a big part of it was the receivers and our special teams. But other than that, you know, defense was all over the quarterback. A lot of sacks, a lot of tackles for loss. I believe we're one of the leading teams in the nation in tackles for loss right now. I think we might be number one. Yeah, the stat I saw, which is awesome. So, you know, I I thought it was a good. What was the scoreboard? What I wanted to be. Now I would have loved if it was fifty-six to. 31 instead of 34 31 but you know we came out with a victory that's what matters yeah and it really it came down to uh you know they they brought it to 31 right before the uh the the, you know game was over and then they attempted another onside kick and with that onside kick it looked for a second that they might recover it i mean they they went the 10 yards they got on top of it but upon review and it was actually the call on the field at the time was that the kicker actually touched the ball before it went 10 yards so that ended up being UCF's ball ball game was over at that point um you know there wasn't a whole lot that we that we messed up there at the end of the game I thought we made some good calls but may have taken our foot off the gas a little early Uh, I know Mac came in and we ran some safe plays with him and didn't really get to eat the the clock as much as we wanted and like you said we had some drop passes so, uh, you know, clean up a couple things like that, and it's a game in dominating fashion the way that it should look when UCF plays. 100% agreed. So let's keep moving on. We got USF this week. Woo! And, uh, My favorite game of the year. I think it, it, that's like that for a lot of Knights fans. And um, so USF Hate Week is this week, which is, you know, if you want to tell us a little bit about USF Hate Week, because I think you've been involved with it longer than I have. Well, USF Hate Week, uh, I, I, when I first enrolled in campus, I got here in 2008. That was my first year, and that was the second-to-last game, I believe, that we were playing against them. Uh, the previous year, they had smashed us, or maybe it was two years prior to that. They had, it was that huge 64-7 to like seven victory or whatever yeah, that was, yeah, yeah. Against, <laughs> which, you know, it's crazy. Uh, I, I distinctly remember, um, we were talking a little bit earlier about, like, you know, the best USF-UCF rivalry game, and the one I remember that's not the 2017 kickoff return for a touchdown was when we lost to them in overtime. Uh, I think it was 31-24 was the ending score. Mike Greco, who ended up actually playing safety for the New York Giants, was our quarterback. Um, brought us into overtime. Joe Burnett with a great uh, punt return for a touchdown. Kevin Smith, I believe, might have been on that team, or he might have just left. Um, but it was it was an awesome game. That was one of my favorite games in college itself. But the rivalry kind of starts with the things that Judy Genshaft, who's the former USF president, was doing. So if you don't know the history, because some people I saw on social media were like, oh, why do we care? USF sucks now. Like, what, what, why is this even considered like such a big rivalry? It's a big rivalry because USF really screwed our program over from the get-go. Yeah. Where, you know, they were an upstart straight to Division one AA and one program. And I think they started at one AA, went to, you know, where we started at Division three and worked our way up from the, from the 70s on forward. I think their, their inaugural year was 96 or 97. Jim Levitt was with them for over 15-plus years getting that program going, and then they get invited to the Big East, which is back then a huge conference. It was, power, it was one of the power conferences. They had the University of Miami. They had Virginia Tech. They had Louisville. It's really good schools. I mean, right. 
Miami didn't do anything from <laughs> when they joined that conference forward, but they had some powerful names. So USF gets invited, and then we get blocked by Ju- uh, uh, Judy Genshaft when we try to make our bid to join as well. So she the, she basically was one of the key players that kept us out of a power conference, and we had to end up going to Conference USA, right. which was the conference that USF left. So that played a big part to it. Um, and then the whole after the four games where they had a four-game sweep from us in the, in the, in the late 2000s, they decide to break that. Um, rivalry, quote unquote, series, which wasn't at the time. It wasn't really a rivalry. We, it was a rivalry between schools because we're an hour away from each other and we can talk a lot of shit to each other. But overall, it wasn't a true athletic rivalry in terms of football because they beat us every year and they beat us pretty handedly, except for the last year. So you get them breaking away and saying that they're going to go on to play better competition and schedule people like Miami and FSU and try to make those things happen, and they call themselves part of the Big Four, and we're not included in that. So I think all those things kind of started to get under a lot of people's skin. And so from what I remember, um, I was one of the, uh, I don't want to say pioneers, but I was one of the first people that started using like the, the, the UCF Twitter mafia back in the in the early 2010s. Myself, our, our, our friend Vince Scolio, Sean Sonnenberg, um, uh, Stephen Diagostino was one of the pioneers of that. Like uh, Carson, all of us would you know go on social media and talk a lot of smack, specifically to USF. Um, and uh, it's, I'll, I'll make a mention of my favorite, hate, one of my favorite hate week traditions is actually between Stephen Diagostino and Matt Grothy, the former USF quarterback. Um, they've been feuding on social media now for several years, and it's always really funny to go back and read through. So if you ever get a chance, look up Matt Grothy. And just look at those conversations because people love poking fun at him. He was a great quarterback for that program. I mean, won them a lot of games, threw for a lot of yards. He was a local kid. I think he played for Plant High School. So, you know, he's from that area. And having uh, getting to see that firsthand just involve into this ridiculousness of just insults back and forth has been pretty hysterical. Yeah, so. I, I saw that this year. And, and, I mean, I know USF Hate Week as being on Twitter mm. and, uh, you know, the, the memes that people share and the pictures and, you know, and, and USF, credit to them, they have UCF Hate Week. So it, it goes both ways. And um, so there's a lot of trash talking. But one of the things I noticed this year was pretty funny. Grothy, who you just brought up, was uh, in a feud with a few different people, one of them being UCF Probs, who's our friend, Sean. Oh, God. And uh, one of the things I saw him post <laughs> that just had me laughing was, uh, Grothy said something to UCF Probs about like hiding behind a screen name and not revealing his identity or something like that. Didn't make much sense because it's a picture of Probs in the picture, so I don't get it. But anyway, <laughs> I guess he struck a nerve with, with Sean because he, he snapped back at him and he said, well, Remember that time you were fat and you got a DUI? <laughs> so yes. I'm not even, I mean, I'm sure this happened, but I just thought, man, that's going right for the jugular. <laughs> no, it, it did happen, actually, unfortunately. Uh, and it was funny because someone posted it the moment he said, that's, you know, you can't find mugshots of me online, but there is. He was arrested for a DUI a little while ago. Now, again, I'm, I, don't, I don't like... I don't like saying that because I'm sure Matt Grothy's got a family. He's got a wife. He's got a kid. Like the, the dudes are, he's got children. Leave him alone. <laughs> but you know, he did uh, get in trouble a couple of years back for that. So unfortunately, I mean, everyone makes mistakes. I don't hold it against yeah, them. I yeah. know plenty of people that unfortunately have gotten DUIs and it hasn't shaped their life in a negative way. So it, it just I'll, had me laughing. You know? it, it is really funny. And there's some great ones. Um, I, I've seen stuff like, you know, USF fans laughed when Mufasa died you know, USF fans pour milk in their cereal bowl before cereal. Um, and then there's, of course, the directionally challenged thing where South Florida is technically not in South Florida. Right. It's in West, West Florida. Florida. It's, but, you know, they're arguing, oh, when the school was founded, it was technically the southernmost public school in the state of Florida. Yeah. 
Right, right. Shut your mouth. It, you, no. I don't even even if that's true, which it is technically true. Uh-huh. Why the hell would you call yourself South Florida in mid You're technically part of Central Florida if you're looking at like where we are. Right. You're level with us, borderline parallel on the West Coast. I don't Yeah. That's stupid. Some of the other good ones I I remember seeing was uh the trophy case that Sam Yeah, that's my favorite. Uh there was one this year, I guess there was a 10-year challenge going around and yep. it was the USF 10-year challenge and it was the trophy case 10 years ago is a trophy case now. Still not full. Completely bare, you know. It there's, is completely there's not bare. a thing in it. So I mean, they've um, won a couple of bowl games, but they've never won a division championship. Right. They've never won a conference championship. They've never won a major bowl. Yeah. They've never won a national title. They've never had a top. I don't think they've had a top ten NFL pick. Actually, I could be wrong. I think I know Jason Pierre-Paul was a high first round pick. I don't know if he was top ten, okay. but he definitely wasn't top five. We've had a, we've had a top seven and a top five quarterback in Dante Culpepper and Blake Bortles. So there's a lot of things that we are definitely better at USF at. And overall, it is football. I think we're definitely a better program. And then you also get the my, one of my favorite arguments is the whole we were number two in the nation once. <laughs> And if you do check that out, for those of you who don't know, they were number two in the nation back in like 2008 or 2007 because they were ranked in the top like 18. And then six or five or six teams in the top like 10 to 15 lost. Right. And that shot them up towards the top 10. And then the next week, it was something absurd like six to eight of the top 10 teams lost for the first time in college football history. That many teams in the top 10 lost in one week. And it just shoved them straight up to number two in the nation. And they promptly immediately lost that <laughs> week and then lost four more games and weren't even bowl eligible. Right. Or they were maybe no, they played they in the like, they played in like 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 yeah. one of those crappy Gasparilla bowls or something like, like that. Eight and four or seven and five or something like that. But, but you know. They're also the first team in college football history to win seven straight games and then lose the following six. Yeah. So that's also a fun statistic. Record. Yeah. So and of course, we have our 0 and 12 season, and they like to that's throw fine. it in their face. But we also have our 12 and 0 season. We do. So. They, they've never been undefeated. Yeah. So, so a lot of good things. Uh, I mean, as far as the football game goes, USF is has had a, uh, a struggle some year. Uh, didn't start off the way they wanted to. They they played a couple teams tough here towards the end, um, but they haven't they haven't looked like the team that they had you know in 2017, which was probably their best team ever. Um, but they've been steadily going downhill, and uh, well, it's because they don't have flowers anymore. Who's yeah. I personally, I, I I will openly admit that man made me drop my jaw more often than not. He was a phenomenal football player. We were happy to see him graduate. Oh yeah, but you know, just some players to look out for. I mean, when it comes to USF, they do have a freshman quarterback who's playing fairly well, and his name is Justin McLeod or Jordan McLeod. I'm sorry. Um, but, you know, he's thrown for over 1,300 yards so far, 12 touchdowns to only six interceptions for a freshman. Again, I mean, he's not Dylan Gabriel, and there's very few that are. Um, but, you know, he's having a half-decent year for himself. Uh, rushing, I don't think they're very good at rushing the football. They don't have anyone close to breaking the 1,000-year mark. Their quarterback is fairly athletic. Their best rusher is out, too. I, I saw is that, that it? On okay. Social media. Well, uh, their best rusher on the year so far is uh, Jordan Conkright. And, he, and he, he's rushed for a little over 600 yards and four touchdowns. But if he's gone, there's really, when you're looking at the stat sheet, there's not a whole lot below him. I mean, their quarterback has run for almost 250 yards. They've got another kid in uh, Kelly Joyner Jr. who's run for 340. But, you know, the rushing threat won't be there. 
for at least looking just the stat sheet, which stat sheets can be very misleading. It is a rivalry game, so you know they're going to bring their A game. They're they're going for a win. They want to break this their their little losing streak as well, and not let us get three in a row. Um, but when you look across the board, they do, they just don't have the playmakers they've had in the past. Yes, this this should be a good win for UCF. It's going to be a great day of tailgating. Starts at two o'clock for Memory Mall people, and mm-hmm. eight That's o'clock be a great prime one. time game. So that we we always like the night games here at UCF. Especially um, on this heat. I mean, thankfully it's been beautiful out there. We don't have to worry about the heat. It should be a very cool game. Like, we might need hoodies. Yeah. But yeah I, fr- I'm into that. I'll do that. Speaking of tailgating, if you get the opportunity, uh, we're going to be tailgating um, over by Garage D. So, if you kind of, if you know the UCF landscape, you've got Memory Mall that is but up against Garage D and between the Alumni Center and stuff, that little section. If you go to where Garage D is and there's a little path that takes you to the uh, parking lot that's right behind Garage D. We're going to be setting up camp there for our tailgate. We should have maybe three or four tents. Probably going to have a good solid like 20 plus people partying with us. So feel free to come by, say hello. We'd love to see some people, all 15 people that listen to this podcast. Per you, um, who, I, I imagine most of them will probably be at the yeah. tailgate. So <laughs> I don't think we're going to get a whole lot of fresh faces. But, you know, that's our tailgating spot for this afternoon. I mean, Memory Mall sold out immediately. Yeah. I was in that. I was on that website for 30 minutes waiting, and I, I, and I got first access i i picked out the spot and it kicked me out so yep i had the same same thing happen um you know the game sold out so it might be hard to get a ticket at this point but uh if you can go to the game go to the game um the other thing is uh danny white put out a, a tweet about downloading a new app for the light control on your phone so that they want to actually control the lights and how they blink during the uh the music that they play probably um you know the uh, the main song they put, not the Darude Sandstorm. What is it called again? The Zombie Nation. Zombie That's Nation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it'll 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 coincide with the Zombie Nation. Your lights will flash on and off. Download that app. I was a little panicked about it because I thought it was connected to your cellular service, and I've never gotten cell service inside the stadium. But it's actually connected to your mic. So when it hears the sound, it's going to make the blinking that goes along with the sound. And yeah, which you know, you know they do that for basketball games, right? I I know that's they, like that's uh, that's like how they piloted it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw him passing out the things. I hadn't done it yet. I'm going to make sure I download it for the game, though. For sure. And, and speaking I'm, of sound, I'm, we've got... I'm, I'm staring at my dog who's outside <laughs> just barking like incessantly at absolutely nothing. So if you hear that barking in this podcast, it's my stupid puppy who decided at this exact moment I need to just bark like someone's trying to rob the home. So there's that. Well, let's, let's move along here. Let's talk about some other uh, college football or basketball results. Um, basketball is a big one this week. Had a, oh, yeah. Had a big upset. Uh I think it was uh, Duke that was number one. Yep. They fell to Stephen F. Austin, big name school. I mean, they, that Texas powerhouse. They have a, They had a 150 game home out or non conference home streak going, which and, is absurd. Yeah, 150. 150. You got to think that non-conference. maybe. I mean, basketball they have what like 30 something games per season. I would imagine. Especially something like the ACC's got 16 teams. They're going to play each of those teams once. So it takes away half the schedule. Right. Um, so at home, you're talking probably maybe five to six non-conference home games a year. Mm-hmm. One, What? Yeah. Like, that's like... It's like at least a decade. Yeah, at least been, a decade. I think it's been since the 90s. Maybe like 97 or something wow. like that. Wow. That's so, insane. Stephen F. Austin, and they win in dramatic fashion. If that you haven't was, checked it out, make sure you go on to e- yeah, go to ESPN's website, go to the go to their Twitter account, just look at that video. It is and probably the most exciting finish I've ever seen to a college basketball game. It, just 
I mean, Stephen F. Austin, they, they inbound the ball, and then Duke, or Duke, I think Duke makes a play to go towards the hoop. They didn't inbound it. They, they, right. But he stumbles with the ball, loses control. Stephen F. Austin steals it, and the guy just, like, chucks it out towards, like, half court. Like, just go. And, and, this, and it's, one of their players gets control and just takes it all the way down. Mind you, there's, like, five seconds running down on the oh, clock. Yeah. That's, like, going to the end of first overtime. This kid gets it with a beautiful layup with, like, less than a second remaining. Yeah. Wins the game in such a dramatic fashion. It was awesome. I had I watched that clip at least eight or nine times. I watched the uh, the Duke fan base just kind of oh, be stunned while the, uh, the Stephen F. Austin... Uh, players, because they didn't have a whole lot of fans there. I mean, it's got to be hard to get a ticket there to begin with. The Duke oh, home game. Have you ever seen Duke home game tickets? Even I, for crappy teams, are expensive yeah, as hell. I, I think they were. Uh, you know, when they played North Carolina last year, it was like a thousand for yep. any ticket in there. So, pretty pretty nuts. Um, you know, the other big loss that happened earlier in the year was Kentucky. They were ranked number one at the time. They lost to Evansville. So, you know, basketball is showing us the light that any team can beat any team. Mm-hmm. College football doesn't. Doesn't uh, catch on to that yet, but Miami caught on to it this week. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so Miami, not a top 25 team at this point, but they did uh, they did play a game in Dade County with their Dade County, uh, you know, not their rival, but probably who they consider their little JV brother. I would call him a rival now. Yeah. Are you kidding me? They lost <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. F- FIU, Florida International. Yeah. Who, which, don't, don't, don't if you did not know, Florida International is actually a top five school in the nation in terms of enrollment. They're one of the largest schools really? in the country. I yep. did not know that. I think they're like number four, right above Florida. And we play them next year. Mm-hmm. We played them a couple. I mean, I mean, they beat us. Yeah, oh yeah, a few years so ago. And they had T. Y. Hilton. I think they've beaten us twice. Actually, they beat us when we were when we went winless, and they beat us a little while ago with T. Y. Hilton, who who was a, a stud. They had T. Y. Hilton and I think Jonathan Cyprian, who was who played NFL, safety in the NFL for a long time. So. so they're they're about what are they six and five this year or something like that? Yeah, yeah. And, and they've got Butch Davis, which that's actually my favorite part. If you don't know that part of the story, Butch Davis, their head coach, was the former University of Miami head coach who got canned in Miami the year before they won the national title. Right. So this is a guy who takes over a program that was obviously very well renowned in the eighties and early nineties, won three or four national titles back then. And then goes to the 90s, have a huge slump, even though they had great players like Warren Sapp come through, that just they just didn't pan out. They didn't have the talent. They, had, they went through, uh, you know, Dennis Erickson, who was one of their coaches, left. And they, I think they went through another coach. So Butch comes in there, sets his culture, just builds up this powerhouse team and is canned. And then I can't remember his name. Coker took over. Larry Coker, yeah. that's right. He took over as coach and he wins a national title with that guy's team, which is still to this day probably the most stacked college football team of all time. If yeah. you look at that roster, it's just up and down, sick, nasty. The only thing they didn't have was a true NFL quarterback because Ken Dorsey was a prototypical, just <laughs> run-of-the-mill college quarterback. But anybody looks good when you're throwing to Andre Johnson, Randy, uh, Reggie Wayne, and Jeremy Shockey, Kellen Winslow Jr. Your backfield is a combination of Clinton Portis, Frank Gore, Willis McGahee, wow. and Najee Davenport, which are all NFL wow. studs. Yeah. That's who you run the ball. Yeah, you can throw it to anybody you want when you have that. It's crazy. <laughs> so, well, uh, so FIU that was their first Power Five victory. If we're you in know school history, yep. if we're uh, you know even 
accepting Power 5, but that is the first one they've won. We play them next year, so you know, it gives our game a little more cachet, which is kind of cool. I agree. Um, let's see, what else is going on? Let's talk about some other UCF sports uh, we've been having some success with. We're not just a football school. We're not. Women's volleyball wins another AC, or AAC title or American title, so that's two years in a row. Yep. Um, their coach has got them on the right track. I think that's three since he's been here. Uh, Todd, what is his name? Durham something or other. Um, anyway, he's got three three championships since th- 2012. Last year, we went to the NCAA tournament, lost in round one, however. So I, I think we're going back to the NCAA tournament. I would imagine since we won the conference. I would but, feel you like know, that would be an automatic thing. Huge shout out to those ladies. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. The two conference titles in a row is not easy to do no matter what sport you play. So very cool for them. Soccer, we knew, was in the, uh, the tournament. They're on to the Sweet 16. They got a big win. And uh, we'll actually be going up against SMU again is, is the team they actually lost to in the conference finals. So Yeah, which is, is this is going to be the third time this year we've played them because we played them during the regular season and beat them mm-hmm. when they were, I believe, a top 15 team. Then when we played each other in the conference championship, I believe we were both in the top 10. Right. And I think we lost 1-0. So it was a very close game. Uh, or match, however soccer fans want to call it. Um, so playing them for the third year in a row, well, that, that, that'll be the true tiebreaker of this little series and see who the who the superior American team is. But you know, hopefully we can beat them, and it puts us in a good opportunity to uh, to you know be in the final, uh, the Elite Eight. I yeah. mean, that's going to be amazing. The problem with our bracket is because they dropped, I think we were like three or four before we lost to SMU. Yeah. They dropped us back to nine. And nine, I mean, I don't know who does these brackets, but nine is not a good number to be because it puts you in the same quarter as the uh, the number one team. So yeah. if we beat SMU, we've still got, you know, Virginia, the number one team to get through to uh, to go on to the semifinal. So a tough, tough bracket for UCF. But, you know, I, I, it's, it's good because we're playing big teams. But yeah. uh, I mean... If we can beat SMU, I think that gives a lot of momentum. Virginia, like you said, they're number one in the nation. I mean, they've only lost one match, and, yeah. they, and they draw the other one. So you, you got a, a powerhouse program that's having a, you know a phenomenal year. That I think that'd be a great matchup for us. It'll definitely put us in the spotlight because again, that what we want as a program, what we want as a school, is to keep UCF's name on everyone's lips. Absolutely. So you put us up against you know one of the best soccer programs in the nation. It's just going to keep that keep that going forward, and that, that's what we're looking for here. Well, so the SMU game is at SMU, which is a little bit of a, uh, you know... A, a, not drive a, out there, unfortunately. Yeah. It's in Dallas, which is, I mean, Dallas-Fort Worth is a beautiful area. I've never been. I've mm-hmm. heard great things. I mean, it's where Mark Cuban lives, so... Well, good luck to them. Uh, men's basketball has had a, had a good little stretch here. I think we're 3-1 and one now. We are. Had a big one-point win over Charleston. Who also was 3-1 and one when we played them. Yeah. So I'll put that out there. They're not... A, they're. People forget, like, some of these no-name teams in basketball, like you kind of said, the little guy can win. Uh, there's a lot of really good programs that are not as mainstream. Like, I mean, George I mean, George Mason had that amazing run, you know, a couple years ago. Um, but there's some really good programs that are not traditional Duke, North Carolina. So, Charleston is not, like, a flat program. They've, they've, had, they've won some games. They've been to the tournament before, so... You know, getting a good victory over them, giving them their first loss was pretty cool. Or second loss, I'm sorry. Now they're 3-2. and two. Right. And so, you know, players for UCF who had a good game. Um, always Colin Smith. That guy's yeah. been the rock this year. Um, Almost know, a double-double. 21-8. That's, that's a good stat line. That's great. Especially in college basketball. People also forget when you look at college basketball stats. And they're like, oh, wow, he only had 21 points. Like, LeBron gets like 30 points every other game. It's not. That's not the same thing. College basketball. If you get 30 points in college basketball, you're a stud. Yeah. So Fred Burtz uh, had a good game, right? Yeah, uh, Burtz, yeah, he had nine points. Um, 
uh, you know, had some good ones. Coming off the bench. Coming off the benches, and which he's, I think he's the perfect bench player. He's a, he's a great spark. Yeah. You get him off the bench, he can make some good threes. I mean, he made a three. He didn't, he didn't have the most minutes. I don't know if he was limping around, but, um, you know, they performed very well. It was a good team win. He had multiple players with over 10 points. He got, uh, Fuller Jr. had 11, which is pretty awesome. And, uh, Ing- uh Ingram, the, the transfer from Alabama, who, I mean, I think he sat the game prior to that, didn't he? What, he did he sit the whole game? I don't know. I know, no, he, no, got, I know he got he in got trouble ejected. for the ejection. <laughs> yeah, so. we saw the ejection. Yeah, we were there for that Miami ejection. <laughs> but you know, he he has another uh, another eleven six game. So he's been a great pickup for us. I think he's a good transitional player for us. We we needed someone like that to to bridge the gap after having such a drop off in talent. And our our starters changed a little bit for this game. I know my man Matt Milan did not start for this game. Um, he Mah- did get a three pointer. He did. That was his only points. Mahan, I think, started over him. Didn't have a he didn't have a great game like he did the the time before. So you know, Milan, I think you've got a great opportunity here. Okay, you came in to UCF. You knew we all knew that you were a great three point shooter, and we knew that that was going to be your talent. Well, the problem is all the other teams knew that too. And you start games and you are just mugged the entire game. You don't get a good look at the basket the whole time. You're trying to run screens to get open. You're shooting up a lot of threes. They're not going in. It hasn't been your season so far. But now you've got your chance, all right? You're on the bench. You're coming off the bench. People have forgot about you a little bit. Now's the time to step it up, to start setting those screens and pulling the trigger. You were one for one in this game. Let's keep firing those threes, man, because we know when you get hot, it is going to be the jam. And we are looking forward to that. So, you know, keep your head up, Milan. We're all about you. And uh, I'm your biggest fan here on this program. So keep, so keep going, buddy. I told Todd I wanted him to give like a pep talk for Milan. And now I want to go run through a freaking brick wall. Like I am amped. I feel like I can step on that court and start raining threes. Yeah. So thank you for that. It makes me feel great. No problem. So uh, next game, we got, uh, we're got we going up against a powerhouse in the Ivy League. Yeah? We got, oh, Pan- yeah, we yeah, got, yeah. We got the Pennsylvania Quakers, which is – I. Th- I'm not one to say, oh, you get, like, I don't believe in the whole, like, oh, make the Redskins change their name or whatever, but Quakers is definitely one of those ones. Where I'm like, oh, that's so yeah. 1700s, which is when that school was formed. But, you know, they actually have a pretty solid team. Their, their leading scorer um, is A.J. Berdour, who's a forward, 18 points. You know, for averaging 18 points a game in, in college basketball is pretty solid. So uh, we can look forward to, you know, some offensive production on their part. Uh, another kid, uh, Jordan Dingle, averaging 17 points. They're a little bit of a drop off after that, but you know they're <clears throat> a decent basketball program. So I think that they're first in the Ivy League conference, which is you know the basketball is basketball, college basketball across the board, especially in the Northeast. College basketball is king up there. Right. So you know, what did you say their record was? Uh, they're three and two. Three and two. Okay. So you know they. And yeah. I think this is the start of a tournament. If I looked it up correctly, I think you know UCF is is at this tournament for the next couple of days. And I yeah, think- I was gonna say it's against it's, it's tomorrow, so you should be able to see it on TV. So make sure you tune in um, as like a pre USF Black Friday football day. Root on for the UCF basketball team, which would be pretty great. All right, is there anything else going on tomorrow? Anything uh, tomorrow? Yeah. Um, not that I, I mean. There's going to be some NFL games, obviously. Like Cowboys play everything. Is there any big fun family event going on tomorrow? A big fun family event. Yeah, Thanksgiving it, it, Day. Dinner. Oh, Thanksgiving! We're yeah, we're talking about Thanksgiving. Let's talk about okay. these uh, these Thanksgiving Day foods that we were going to discuss and the rankings of them. Um, you know, as you expressed early on in the show, you are not a big fan of Thanksgiving Day food, and I share that sentiment with you. Okay, I'm glad. Thank so. God. I'm glad there's somebody who does because I had a conversation with my wife and I asked her 
Thanksgiving is about giving thanks to those you love and remembering, you know, what you're thankful for. I hate using it's I feel like you you shouldn't use the word in its definition, but that's what Thanksgiving's all about. It's it's from it's being grateful for what you've got in your life. Why the hell do we have to eat the food we have to eat? It's not like the pilgrims sacrificed for our sins and we're and we should be eating turkey for them. <laughs> yeah, if anything, the pilgrims murdered innocent, you know, indigenous people. Right. And I know that oh well Thanksgiving is when they all sat down and they, you know, they were they were peaceful with each other for probably the one moment before the native before the you know the intruders decided to load up their muskets and hunt them down in their sleep the next early morning when they weren't expecting it and taking their gold or attempting to. Yeah. And I'm not really a guy that I'm not one of those people that goes on rants like that, but I'm just saying, like, I don't understand why we eat what we eat. I know it's a traditional thing, but I can be very thankful for my family while eating pizza and ice cream. That's I'm, just my thought. I'm with you 100%. You know, so, we've had we've had um, Thanksgivings where we've actually had prime rib instead of turkey, and those, those have been some of the better Amazing, actually. I like so. that idea. So it's we got a couple of foods we're going to go down. We're going to we're going to rank them on one to five gobbles on what we have, what we think is you know the rating of that food. And we got the the mainstay, the you know the quarterback of Thanksgiving, if you will, in the turkey. So I know there's different ways to do the turkey. I mean, I've never had a fried turkey before. I hear it's the way to go. I haven't done it yet. I've seen the videos of people trying to do it and oh. it's starting a massive explosion and fire. Yeah. So I mean, I've I'm, had many fried turkeys. They're, they're good. I think they're better than you know oven roasted turkeys or okay. even on the grill or however else you do them that, like, that's how we do it. we do I, it in the oven okay i do like them better than than that but it's still it's very basic i'm gonna give yeah. it three out of five gobbles because i think the turkey is an excellent um transporter for other foods like I, I i like to take my turkey and i like to get like one of those like biscuit rolls and i put the turkey on there with yes. other things too yeah and so the turkey isn't necessarily you know the creme de la creme it's not a piece of prime rib Right. It's, it, but I, I do enjoy I enjoy eating it with other things. So okay. there's that. I can see that. Now, with, with the turkey, I, I am much more a fan of just a straight turkey breast, you know, like a boar's head turkey breast or even ground turkey. You know, the other ways that you ground, prepare is ground, is ground turkey good? I, I am made to eat it for taco night in my house because my girl doesn't like beef. You know, she so she what? wants turkey. Sevy doesn't like beef. Yeah, so we have turkey tacos, and I've over Sevy, the years. What is wrong with you? <laughs> I've just come to to know it as being another meat, and it's not a problem. Right. A whole turkey itself, you know, it depends what part you get too. So if you get the the white meat turkey, it might be one way, and then you got the dark meat turkey, and mm. then we always hand my brother the leg, even though he doesn't eat it anymore. We, <laughs> we or or the wing, we'll put it on his plate. So, um, but yeah, I, I understand. I'm with you, man. About about a three there. Okay, so stuffing. What do you give stuffing? So stuffing for me is a different category because there are different types of stuffing. My my girl's father, well, stepfather, makes an awesome sausage stuffing that um, I don't even know what's in it, but I can eat pounds of it. Any other stuffing I've ever had, not a fan of. Okay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not a fan of stuffing at all. I give I give stuffing a one out of five gobbles. I think it's overrated. It is what it, it's. You literally just stuff it in the turkey and then you scoop it out and. Yeah. What's good about it? It's just like it's just crappy carbs. I'd rather keep eating biscuits with my dinner than stuffing or mashed potatoes, which I'm not even putting on the list because I'll eat mashed potatoes any time yeah. of the year. It doesn't need to be a Thanksgiving day. <laughs> Do you food. have any mashed potatoes in the fridge that we can get after this? I would I mean, love to, actually. I mean, I'll eat mashed potatoes anytime. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, mashed potatoes are highly underrated food in general. But with that said, yeah, I, I hate stuffing. It's, it's not a food for me. Green bean casserole. Negative for me. That's an, that's, I'm not, not interested. I, I, my wife. It's apparently the only time my wife eats green bean casserole, and 
<laughs> I have no worry. I guess it's fine. They put the French onions on it and stuff. I'm yeah, not, I'm no, not I'm not about that. I don't yeah. like. I mean, I'm I'm also like it's this list might not be the best for me in general because I am a very picky eater anyway. Like I'm I'm a very meat and potatoes. I like pizza, I like burgers, I like chicken wings. Yeah. I, I, not to say I won't venture out and try stuff because I will try stuff here and there, but you know, I just don't. I don't like green beans. I have that's not my vegetable choice. I don't really eat a lot of vegetables anyway, but I don't like green beans. There's one thing Thanksgiving while we're doing this list that I can think of that's here in Orlando. There is a sandwich shop over in the Milk District. I know of you're Orlando talking about yep. called Mama Linglings, mm-hmm. and they do a Thanksgiving sandwich i don't know what i can't remember exactly what it's called it might be just called the mama lingling sandwich but it's like a mashed potatoes turkey uh cranberry sauce gravy it's and it's awesome so okay yeah so that one i can go with but you know these other things i'm not really interested in you got cranberry sauce on here not a fan either no i mean i i like it as like a maybe as a a sauce like i said on a sandwich but other than that i just i would never eat it who buys that stuff the rest of the year i don't know and it's one of those things that's just like What's a, I know people that won't even eat it unless it comes out of the can. Like it has to be in the shape of the can and everything. Yeah, my it's grandfather's like, that's just disgusting. like that. <laughs> that stuff. It looks, it looks like a really crappy Jello, and that and that's what got me. As I remember the first time I ever tried it, I thought it was Jello. Oh, and, and you were probably a kid at the I time. I was a kid, and, and, thought... and it scarred me because <laughs> I threw that crap out real quick, and I was like, "This is the worst decision I've made in my young life." <laughs> so another can. Here's something I've argued with people about: Is macaroni and cheese? A Thanksgiving day, a Thanksgiving Day dish. I don't think it is because we don't usually have it. I I like it. I wish it was there, but for me, it doesn't signify Thanksgiving. I am actually in charge of bringing the macaroni and cheese, but I have to make it cauliflower mac and cheese because um, <laughs> we have some people who have dietary restrictions, and I've made cauliflower mac and cheese before. It's pretty good. I've heard, I've heard that yours is like the creme de la creme of yeah. it. So, so that's what I'm in charge of. I'll have to, I'll have to try yours one day because I won't <laughs> have it. I, I had another experience that scarred me. So you ever heard of, uh, I think it's called Prada. I think that's the name of it. It's located, It's like up north. You can find it in New York, like on the street corners. Oh, it's nice. kind of like a coffee shop sandwich place. And still... Stephen and I met up with my friend Jessica, who used to work for Univision in the in the, in the Sci-Fi Channel. She's like she was a, a marketing um, event planner over there for them, and so she she had like five minutes she can grab dr- drinks with us real quick. So we meet up at a Prada, and there's like this little you know refrigerated case of food, and it's like pre-made sandwiches and that. And I saw mac and cheese, and I'm like, oh hell yeah, I love mac and cheese. So I grab it. It's cauliflower mac and cheese. <laughs> I didn't know it was actually mac and cheese. I took about two bites in before my before my palate started to go. This ain't it, Chief. Yeah. And I was like, what is going on? And then I look in there, and I just remember, like, my initial reaction was to, to like, gag, which shouldn't be because cauliflower isn't the worst thing in the world, but that's just what I did. And so that's in the back of my mind where, why I don't like cauliflower mac and cheese, which is that, like, that unsuspecting, like, middle finger yeah. that I did not see coming. It's, it's not mac and cheese. you got to know not. what it is going into Exactly. It, but you but can knowing that you make a good one, I'll, I'll give it a chance. I make a bomb mac and cheese. My family has demanded that I bring it this year. I make it from scratch. Make my own cheese sauce. It's quite delightful. I want to do it with my own pasta one day. I need to get on that grind. Yeah, you got to get a, a piece mm. of uh, machinery there to cut your your pasta and everything. That's I, I mean, that's an investment. It, well, yeah, I've also seen like the little things where you can like, just like make it like on the counter and then just use like a little roller uh, and a cutter. Okay, okay. I gotta try that, but I obviously can't do it with. I can't make elbow macaroni like that. But it'll have to be some kind of like mac and cheese spaghetti or something. But um, as far as sports tomorrow, I mean, 
it's really just the NFL. You got UCF basketball you can watch, but every year if you don't really pay attention, the Cowboys and the, and the Lions play every year. It's a tradition for the NFL. So you, you've got uh, Detroit playing the Bears, which is a big rivalry game. You've got the Cowboys and Bills, which will be a good game. I mean, the Cowboys, if you watch NFL right now, are supposed to be the most talented team in the NFL, and they're falling flat on their face because they're horribly coached by Jason Garrett. Go Bills. I guarantee he'll be fired. But, yeah, go Bills. Bills having a great year. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure your household is you very know, pleased as much right now. As a Buffalo fan, as a you know, I've been indoctrinated into being a Buffalo fan, it's, uh, it's a lot of losing seasons. So this is actually one that's kind of fun to follow because – they're doing well. Yeah, and I know what that's about. I know there's always like. one other game, right? On yeah, the, the the game. Ten, well, it's not one of the traditional games, but the Saints are playing the Falcons. Okay. It's another rivalry game. So Saints looking great this year. I mean, Drew Brees is Drew Brees. So should be some good football. So make sure you check that out. Make sure again, look for the UCF uh, basketball game if you can. That'll be great to you know just root for them on the side before as we prep for um, our last home game of the year, the last regular season game. So we do this. We're nine and three, and we're in position to have a ten win season. So absolutely, I'm excited. So. Um, you know, other things that just want to mention before we, we get off here is uh, the Orlando Magic dropped mm. another game the other night in awful fashion to the 76ers. They've been hit or miss this year. Hopefully they'll get the ship righted. But uh, right now, I believe there's something like 6-10 and 10 or 6-11 and 11 maybe. 6-10. Six 6-10. and, 10. Six and 10, So Yeah, they're on a little bit of a skid. I mean, we had that three-game winning streak, yeah. which was great against three pretty decent teams. So... You know, we drop one. To the, we drop one of the Raptors immediately thereafter, which I kind of expected, and then one to the Pacers, and then the Pistons. And the Pistons it's just, was rough. It's what? just it's kind of unfair. We were ahead by a bunch. You know, yeah, early I, on. That, I've noticed that. That's what we do. We, we we like to get ahead. We have a good solid first half. We're usually at least within striking distance, and then come fourth quarter, they just lose their minds. Yeah. So. What's, they got another game. Is that on today or uh, today? Yeah, they play the Cavaliers at seven o'clock. We're, we're at. We're, I think we're at Cleveland. So, um, I mean that's. They're not a good team. I, I actually, I, when I was in New York last week, we, uh, me, me and Stephen went to the, uh, Madison Square Garden, which, which is, you know, it's a legendary arena. If you haven't been to MSG, it's very cool. I mean, just the mystique of it's pretty awesome. But when you sit in the lower bowl, like the, with the ceiling and everything, it has a really good look. And we watched the Knicks, who are also an awful basketball team, just beat the snot of the Cavs. They didn't have Kevin Love. Um, but still, it wasn't. It was not <laughs> when competitive. That's, when that's the guy you're missing, I don't think you know. Yeah, it's, it's there's gonna nothing that's going to be saving them. So hopefully that'll. Get, but then the problem is that is in the moment we beat the Cavs, if we beat the Cavs, we got the Raptors again at Are you home. Serious? Yeah, this three times again. Time? Third time against the Raptors in like less than a week and a half, which is absurd. Well, so let's see. If, they hopefully they'll get back on track. Yeah. I mean, they they got they got they're gonna have a, a couple. You know. A couple home games. We got three, like three of the next four. I'm sorry, not, not including the Cavs, but after we play this Cavs game in Cleveland, three of the next four games will be at home. Um, I mean, we're at home against the Raptors, home against the Warriors, home against the Suns. So I'm gonna make one of those games. Oh yeah, we'll make it happen. We, we gotta, I'll, we gotta get with our marketing department and yeah, get some tickets. Butter somebody up. Oh yeah, it won't be difficult. But well, all right. Well, that's been another good show. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, again, if you want to catch us on Twitter, we do have our at three night vendor twitter mm -hmm. and our personal twitters mine is at hauser tubes and i got at coach boozos so uh you know hit us up on twitter also you can find us on itunes and spotify i know i posted on the three night the three night vendor twitter page but you can catch us feel free to uh, like and subscribe on soundcloud itunes spotify give some listens likes we really appreciate it all right we will see you at the usf ucf game tomorrow be there eight o'clock you mean no i'm friday. sorry friday shoot i already thought it was thursday yeah <laughs> friday be a big game so we'll see you there thanks for tuning in